Hello, Canada, and welcome to another episode of Canadian Common Sense. This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony. Good afternoon, Canada. Today's date is October 14th, 2020. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense. It's Tony out here in Saskatoon. And Lewis out here in BC. How are you, my friend? Oh, it's uh, suddenly got cold. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> we've uh, got snow on the mountains around us and... Uh, oh. It uh, we had a high of eight degrees yesterday, but we got up to sixteen today. So, but still, it's uh, for us that's cool. Yeah, no, well, it's uh, it was a little cooler here, uh, windy as heck. But I've, I was out uh, walking the beat again, as it were today. So really, even with a light jacket, I was actually sweating because the sun was so so nice out today. But uh, nice, yep, definitely fall. So. Yeah. All right. So uh, what have we got to talk about today? Oh, boy, we have got a stacked show today. Um, I don't know if we'll get through it all, but on the show today, COVID-19, a step backwards and a step in the wrong direction. Build back better. What exactly does that mean? Are plastics now a toxic substance? We've got some election updates from British Columbia and Saskatchewan. And as we always say, and there's more. Where do you want to start, my friend? Well, let's let's start with the um, election in BC. The leaders debate was last night. And, uh, And so, and I watched it begrudgingly because it was, (laughs) it was, it was, a little on the painful side to watch the um, there were three leaders on the, on the debate stage. There was uh, premier John Horgan of the NDP. Uh, there was uh, Andrew Wilkinson of the uh, BC liberal party. And uh, you're going to have to forgive me. I can't quite remember her name. She is the new leader of the green party of BC. And um, I'll probably never remember her name because she's that forgettable so well, and really basically irrelevant the green party i mean the yes they held the balance of power last time around but i mean with three mlas they're really not a force to be reckoned with anyway no and it's uh, it's actually kind of a joke that they're on the stage just like it's a joke that they're on the federal stage i mean yeah. they they've got the same number of seats federally as they do in bc for in the bc government which is three like it's it's a joke like uh they shouldn't even be there but um i mean not to mention the fact that them and they the greens and the ndp pretty much are the same party i mean they they, they all have the same their, their platforms are almost identical um the greens are just a little bit more to the left than the ndp which they did find a sliver of room there to fit in um, the, uh, the, the, uh, I'm just going to quickly start with the green party leader because despite being well-spoken, she speaks extremely slow and 
she sounds like what's the how would I best describe her? She sounds like a mom from the nineteen fifties. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she just she speaks very softly and slowly. And you know, it it was it just bored you to tears. Right. And uh um I mean I, I, I just couldn't even listen to her talk. It was it was that bad. Um I'll move so that's that's about all I'm gonna say about her. Uh I'm gonna move on to Andrew Wilkinson. Andrew Wilkinson is Andrew Wilkinson's own worst enemy. Um, he is a an exceptionally smart man. He is uh, he is a doctor who practiced medicine for quite a while. He, I, I believe, it was like uh, a decade or fifteen years or so. He practiced medicine and. He is also a lawyer and practiced law for 20 years. And he is also a Rhodes Scholar. He's he's a very intelligent man. He knows what he's talking about. The problem is, is that he spends quite a bit of time attacking. And when he would, he, he would, he would, they, they have these, these, question and answer rounds in the debate where the leaders get to ask another leader a question and he had to ask the green party leader a question and his question to the green party leader was why why is it that john horgan cannot be trusted (laughs) It, it had nothing to do with the green party's policy platform which is what the question should have been about it, he asked why the, the NDP leader couldn't be trusted. It, it was, he's his own worst enemy. He's not, he, he's, he just comes off as an attack dog. Even though he's a, a very, very intelligent man, he's got great ideas. I have spoken to him one-on-one and uh, I, I put my support behind him during the uh, leadership campaign for the uh bc liberal party because because he when he spoke to me he listened to what i had to say he he uh uh, took what i said into account in his response he was a he, he was very thoughtful very uh very measured very 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 intelligent but he just can't help himself he has to attack and as someone who supported him it even turned me off so that i don't think he helped himself last night at all john horgan on the other hand if i you know crawled out from under a rock and had no idea who the ndp were i'd be voting for him after last night's performance he's he is uh, an exceptional public speaker, exceptional public speaker. He's uh, and he manages to say a lot in a short amount of time. He's so he speaks fairly quickly, but very um, uh, easy to understand, very clear, concise. 
uh, gets his message across very easily. Uh, not everything he said was hundred percent true. <laughs> um, but he, you know, he's an NDP peer. So what do you expect? Um, <laughs> but the way he said it, and this is the important part, the way he said what he said. So yes, it may not have been true, but the way he said it, you believed him and you believed him more than you believed Andrew Wilkinson when he would, uh, when he would challenge it. And so I think if anything, Horgan only helped himself last night. Andrew Wilkinson only hurt himself and the greens. Well, who cares? Right. <laughs> so now there was one question last night that absolutely infuriated me. And it was a question about since all three leaders are white, how have they reckoned with their white privilege and uh, unconscious bias. Oh my God. It did not. It The question laid out the, this supposed fact that all three leaders are, you know, biased, privileged white people. And the only one who answered it well was Andrew Wilkinson. He an- answered it the way he should have answered it, which was, you know, that he grew up struggling. He rented for 15 years. He lived in, you know, places that, you know, you, you wouldn't want to live, but he had to because it was all he could afford and, and all this kind of stuff. So, like, he, he really um, made sure that people understood that he wasn't privileged. His fa- he, he's an immigrant. He m- immigrated when he was a child. And they had, they had very, very little. And it's, he's the only one who answered it properly because the Green Party candidate overwhelmingly claimed that Canada is systemically racist and yada, yada, yada. Uh, the NDP, John Horgan said the same thing, that Canada is systemically racist. And when you have the leaders of your country saying that the country they lead is racist, all you're doing is stoking the fires of racial uh, tensions. I mean, this is... If you want to know who is responsible for any racial tensions, it's the leaders who keep claiming that white people are racist, that we're all systemically racist, that our governments, our police force are systemically racist. That's who's responsible for the racial tensions that we are experiencing right now. Oh, absolutely. That's uh that's ridiculous. So what a stupid question to ask, honestly. I mean, they're, uh, the question that just by itself, you know, is lies, uh, has assumptions lying inside of it, which, uh, yeah. you know, thankfully Mr. Wilkinson didn't take debate on, but the other two chose to take debate on. And I, uh, 
Oh, and they were, and they took the bait so hard. They were so over the top. It actually made you want to throw up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. See, that's ridiculous. That's a question. I don't, I don't even know if I would answer that. If I was asked that in a debate, like I, uh, I think I would have responded with, I, I will not even, uh, acknowledge that question. I won't yeah. dignify that question with an answer. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. That, that's ridiculous. Yeah. It, 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 but like I said, Andrew Wilkinson was the only one who answered it correctly. The other two went way over the top, bending over backwards to make sure everybody understood that Canada's racist. And it was sickening. Well, I'm glad they're so woke. That That's fantastic. Yeah. Like if they, if they believe that so much, then they should both step down and let's let a minority take over their position. Absolutely right. But since they're not, then uh, just shows their hypocrisy. Yeah, exactly. Well, your, your province uh, is having a leadership debate tomorrow night. Um, is yeah, your leader is, is the leader of the party you're running for Ken Gray. Is he uh, taking part in that debate? He is not, and it's actually tonight. Um, it starts in about 20 minutes from now. I'm actually just going to watch the, for the highlights of it. And the only parties involved, parties that have seats in the legislature being the Saskatchewan party and the NDP leaders. And that's not sitting well with residents in general. And uh, so obviously Ken Gray will not be involved because, uh, well, we have 31 candidates, which would actually be a slim majority if all 31 of us were elected and the green party has a full slate of 61, but yet they're not invited either. And a lot of people like actually one lady I was talking to at the doorstep today, just uh, shortly before we started the show uh, was actually going on that. She said it was just a travesty that that's only those two parties represented because she even said, well, you know, not everybody wants to vote for those two. And I said, well, you know, I, I understand if it was a party like, for example, Saskatchewan Liberal Party has only three candidates. So I could see excluding them from the leadership debate because they're not even going to be a, a, a wart on the political scene. But when you look at, like I see, progressive conservatives, we have 31. The Greens have 61. So why wouldn't one or both of those leaders be involved? Well, I mean, I can see... Why? I mean, neither of those two parties have any any uh, MLAs right now. Um, right. I mean, we and we just finished saying that the Green Party shouldn't even have been on the stage last night in the BC leadership debate, and they have three seats. Well, yeah, they shouldn't be on the stage in th this one either because the leader is crazy. But I'll get into that one right away. <laughs> well, they all aren't, aren't they all? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, when you say that they're. Like the in BC, the, the lady is slightly to the left of the NDP. That's the case here, too. And I was involved in a, a forum last week uh, representing the PC party. And, and the leader of the Saskatchewan Green Party was there representing the Greens. So I got to sit beside her through this forum. And no matter what the question was, her answer was a universal basic income. And we were talking about uh, people with disabilities and support programs. And it didn't really matter what, what their question was that had to do with people with disabilities. Universal basic income was her, was her answer. And then she, uh, she had her, her talking point about, you know, 
I think she might have talked climate once. But, I mean, she talked money, and then she kept on saying, well, and why do people always always concerned about how we're going to pay for this? Our health is most important. And uh, I luckily, when one of her tirades on that, I got to answer right after her. And so I tied a healthy economy together with a healthy populace. And uh, so she wasn't a big fan of mine by the end of that, that forum, but she was actually on CBC this afternoon. They actually interviewed um, all the party leaders that are involved. So there was actually six parties in this election. So to their credit, the CBC actually did interview Ken Gray and Wade Sierra from the Buffalo party and Naomi Hunter from the Greens. And then uh, uh, Robert Rudacek, I think is the guy who's uh, from the Sask liberals. So at least they were being balanced, but um yeah, the lady for the Green Party did herself and her party no favors whatsoever because really all she was saying to Saskatchewan was, I'm crazy. Hey, look at me. I'm crazy. By the way, I'm crazy. So, uh, so yeah, so it's just going to be the Sask Party and the NDP. And it's funny how you're talking about how Andrew Wilkinson was an attack dog. That's Ryan Miley, the Saskatchewan NDP leader. He was also a medical doctor, but he has no political smarts whatsoever. Um, the guy is a dunce. And I've been telling you over the past couple of weeks, some of their platform items, like the $15 an hour minimum wage. And, and he's involved in a huge bidding war to throw Saskatchewan taxpayer money at everything. And even in the, I mean, and it's the party line, because even at the forum I was at last week, the NDP candidate who was there was just constantly attacking the governing party. And it was just like, I'd love to hear some of your own ideas instead of just talking about how bad the government is, but they don't seem to have that. Everything is just any, and again, a lot of things that were blatantly false, but he threw them out there anyway, because I mean, I get it when you're coming from behind, you're, you know, you're starting from behind. So you want to try and stake some ground, but all he's doing um, is just letting everybody know that he's an idiot. Honestly. I mean, it's, uh, I hate to, to be mean but that's really all that he's saying to me yeah but you know i mean this is something that's been become a common theme uh i mean every ndp leader provincially or federally that that we've talked about they're all nuts oh they are absolutely and uh so i mean obviously it uh the parties are connected provincially and federally we know that and yeah the only one in canada that is Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they, so they, they share that ideology all the way through and it shows like uh, the $15 an hour minimum wage is, is not, it's really not the idea to bring up right now when we have businesses that are on the brink of closing down for good, when we're just barely coming out of this pandemic, our economy is in very rough shape personal bankruptcies are up. I mean, we've gone through all the different financial problems that are present right now. And Ryan Miley's solution is let's bump the minimum wage up about three and a half dollars from what it is now in Saskatchewan. Like, yeah, this is the the rest of these small businesses out of business. This is the wrong time to be doing that. I mean, the biggest problem is that none of these politicians have ever owned or run their own business. I mean, there's, there's a handful, but, but let's like, especially with the NDP, I mean, 
I don't understand a, a business owner that supports the NDP. And I don't know very many, but I do know a couple. And it doesn't make any sense to me because the NDP does nothing but throw up more red tape, more barriers, more regulations. And it just makes doing business more expensive and more difficult. And every NDP government that I've ever lived under has done that every single time. I mean, there's the biggest problem with the minimum wage is that what happens when you start driving the minimum wage up, the business businesses start finding ways to do without those people. Oh yeah. I mean, you see it in fast food where, you know, they, or at the grocery store, why do you think there's so many automated tellers? It's not because, uh, the customers like it because the customers don't. It's because they're cheaper to run. They're cheaper to operate than to have employees working the tills. They don't call in sick. They don't quit without telling you they're not coming in. They don't cost $15 an hour plus, plus uh, any benefits or, uh, or uh, any anything that goes along with it, like WCB and uh, you know EI and CPP uh, contributions, all of that. Like none of that is included in that. You don't have to pay any of that. It, it's they're far less headaches. Oh yeah, totally. It's uh, and one thing I've noticed. It's also quite underrepresented in government. Um, we we're talking with yeah. the. There's lots of lawyers, there's lots of um, you know, the professional types, but what there's a, a serious lack of in government as far as MLAs, MPs, etc., is those blue collar folks like you and I. And I've actually gotten a few, you know, thumbs up for the fact that I just say, yeah, they you know they talk about so this politician. I say, well, I'm not a, really a politician. I'm just a truck driver who's tired of BS. And You'd, you'd be surprised the number of thumbs up I get just for that. So. Yeah. No, I know. And, and, but the problem is, is that a lot of like the real leaders, the real leaders stay in the private sector. They stay operating their own businesses or, you know, they, they stay uh, out of the scrutiny, the public scrutiny and, True. and the, and the BS, right? Like, no, like yeah. I, I'm a business owner. I have thought about running in politics before, but I don't want the, uh, the, the, the BS that goes with it. Like one thing I, I learned when I was involved, when I was younger, I was quite involved in politics, as you know. And when I found out that your real enemies are not in the other parties, they're in your own party. I wanted nothing to do with politics anymore. Like I didn't want to be involved in politics. Like the things that you have to do, the backstabbing, the back, you know, the backroom deals, the, all this kind of stuff that you have to do to get ahead, to move up in a political party. Like you're, you got to watch out for the people that are on your side. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And, and it just, I just didn't like it. I, <clears throat> and that's why I never, um, I never really got that far into it where I would run for office. 
<clears throat> Sorry, that's not COVID. Yeah. <laughs> no, but speaking of COVID, that's actually a, a good segue. <laughs> you know, on our last show, you had uh, you were actually quite upset and rightfully so, talking about the fact that we've we're nine months into COVID and we still are trying to take care of COVID the way we did nine months ago, and that is by emptying out our hospitals just in case there's a COVID patient that shows up. And you're absolutely right in suggesting there should be some COVID-only centers to take care of the, the people who have COVID. Two days after we had our show, I see a news story about a company in Hamilton, Ontario, that's repurposing shipping containers. And you're going to love this. They're repurposing shipping containers to effectively augment hospitals that are short on space due to COVID patients so that they can make, for example, a temporary operating theater or temporary room for patients. And I thought, don't we have hospitals for that? And couldn't these shipping containers be repurposed for COVID and jump right into your excellent idea from last week? Yeah, actually, when you were just describing what they were for, I was thinking you were going to say that they were for COVID patients. But and they should be. That's what they should be for. The, the fact that this is, oh, my God. Okay. I, don't want, I don't want to get so angry like I did last week. But, <laughs> but this is but this is ridiculous. Like, why are these shipping containers? It's a great idea. It is. Why not make it for COVID patients? Well, exactly that. And when I first was was uh, you know going going through the article, that was my first thought. It was actually a video that I was watching. And when I first started, I thought, "Oh, well, great! Lewis was just talking about this. Brilliant!" And then I thought, "What the hell? You're doing the exact same thing we've been doing for years, and in this case, for nine months with the COVID." And it's like, "Hey, you need to listen to our show, guys, because you're doing this wrong." Yeah. Oh, this is crazy. Well, it is. I, I, but like I said, great idea. It's just not executed properly. Exactly. Yeah. And the government of Manitoba actually put an order in for 90 of these things. And again, it's like, well, why don't you buy 90 of them or, you know, lease or whatever it is you're doing with them for COVID? But no, no, yeah. they're going to be temporary hospitals. Oh, jeez, you guys. Oh, my God. Come on. This yeah, is so, like use your heads. Well, exactly. So uh so stay tuned, Canada. We'll see where uh where those things go. Um Wow. All right. So before we get to uh some of the bigger topics here, I do want to jump in quickly about plastics. Now yep. before we do, I actually want to play a little clip. It's uh a little dated, but very relevant. So uh, here, play that now. You and your family do to cut back on plastics. Uh, we uh, uh, we have uh, recently switched to drinking uh, water bottles out of uh, water out of uh, when we have water bottles uh, out of a uh, plastic. Uh, sorry, away from plastic towards uh, paper. Um, like drink box, water bottles, sort of things. There's, there's a still brilliant as it always was. Oh my god, it's still as funny as ever. And <laughs> and, 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 and there we go. 
I, I'm sure that every one, every single one of our listeners knows that that was Justin Trudeau from I think two years ago. Uh, very awkwardly answering a question that he should have been prepared for, and it was a it was a softball question, and he messed it up. And it and the thing is, is that. He messed it up in the worst possible way. I mean, there was no way that that answer could have been any worse unless he dropped an F-bomb right in the middle of it. <laughs> well, see, the funny thing is, I remember when that you know news conference was going on, and I thought to myself, I've been in this game long enough that I know he had a scripted answer for that that would have had people you know eating out of the palm of his hand. But yeah. instead, he said to his handlers, hold my beer, I got this, and then completely lost it when the, the question actually came up. So, <laughs> but anyway, oh. the reason I had to play that clip is, one, because I like making fun of Trudeau. But two, Tom, Jonathan Wilkinson, who is uh, our new environment minister federally, in Vancouver last week had a press conference and announced that a year from now, Plastics are going to be added to Canada's toxic substances list. So that drink box, water bottle, plastic thing is now going to be considered a toxic substance. Okay. I mean, I don't hate it. Um, Plastics are a massive problem. They're Um, a massive problem pollution problem yes yeah i just i don't i don't see where the toxicity comes from i mean yeah i mean they're 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 uh they're definitely a problem when it comes to garbage or from for biodegrading i mean they they don't um and plastics are filling up our our landfills like plastics are awful like they're not good but toxic yeah see i'm not prepared to, to go as far as saying they're toxic like not good yes we definitely need to recycle more of them and we need to recycle them here i mean i don't understand how we can get away with calling ourselves recyclers when we bail up plastics send them to malaysia where they where they incinerate them or you know worse yet just try to bury them and they end up in the rivers which end up in the ocean so i mean only 10% of what we throw in our blue boxes are actually recycled here in, in Canada. And that's got to change. And that was actually one announcement that Mr. Wilkinson did say was, uh, I can't remember the target date, but the, I'm probably by the end of the decade, that seems to be their, their timelines all the time. But anyway, his, his target was that we would be recycling at least 50% of our materials by that time. And all I could think is, why aren't we doing that already? I mean, technologies out there there's a company in nova scotia that actually makes building materials out of recycled plastics i'm not sure which you know recycled number but still i mean that's there's one thing and you know pop bottles are recycled into more pop bottles or into windbreaker jackets carpets you you name it so there's a lot more we can do and i don't know if it's just a matter of political will or i know a lot of it's not i guess economically feasible but we've got to do better we can't, we can't, I don't know, I don't have a, 
I sorry, I do have a problem with declaring plastics a toxic substance. I have no problem at all with finding more ways to recycle plastics because we need to. I mean, that's just common sense. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I just, I don't know where this toxic thing comes from, but yeah, I mean, uh, labeling them uh, a hazard, no, not not even hazardous, uh, but labeling it a, a problem, I agree. But yeah, yeah, I just don't know. I don't, I don't understand the toxic uh, uh, label, but yeah. Um, and before we get on to the last topic or so of the day, I want to talk about the, uh, just briefly let everyone know that Rideau Hall spent $110,000 on lawyers uh, to defend our lovely uh Governor General, uh, when it came to those uh, accusations of bullying and uh, uh, what was the other charge? Um, harassment and harassment. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So one hundred and ten thousand taxpayer dollars. I really feel like that's money well spent because I really think that our Governor General is is grossly misunderstood. I don't understand why why. The, the media is bullying her so much. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's spend another $110,000 defending her from the media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> insane. insane. It is insane. Like, I, um, I mean, I guess because of the office that she holds, she probably is entitled to legal counsel that's sponsored by us. But I just, it just doesn't sit well with me that that you and I are paying 110 grand to defend somebody who is very obviously a bully. I mean, God, I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Everybody deserves their day in court. I get that. But that it just doesn't sit well with me that you and I as taxpayers are footing that kind of a bill for defending the indefensible. Yeah. And, and I want to know why, why taxpayers are on the hook for legal fees. I mean, if, if one of my employees was getting accused of bullying another employee or whatever, I'm not, my business isn't covering their legal fees. No, exactly. So I, I don't know why we're covering her legal fees. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, uh, I, yeah, she certainly has a right to a defense, but you're right. Why Why is it that we're paying for it? I mean, Especially she makes when, enough money. I was just going to say that. She makes a pretty good coin. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you know, I mean, this is, it's getting to the point where, you know, like uh, Adrian Clarkson is looking like a, a good deal. Good God. that's uh, That makes me shudder just, just, just to hear you say that, but you're not wrong. Because, I mean, like she was notorious for the amount of money she spent. But with the amount of money taxpayers have been on the hook for this governor general, uh, yeah, it might surpass Adrian Clarkson. <laughs> yeah, but, like Adrian Clarkson was awful for all the junkets she would go on. Like she flew everywhere on our dime and, yeah. and lived high and still is. And apparently governors general, even after they leave office, still actually are allowed to expense a lot of things. Which yes, I, they are. 
I don't think that's really fair. And Adrian Clarkson takes full advantage of that. But she yes, was she was relatively harmless as far as her personality and you know her effectiveness at the job. Yeah. The governor General and Julie Payette is speaking of toxic. Julie Payette is very toxic in that role. So uh, yep. I have a really hard time feeling sorry for her. Yeah, me too. All right. All right. Let's get what's, on to the uh, last one. What you, what's the last thing you want to talk about today? Well, it's something that I know you are going to be very excited to talk about. And that is the three words of alliteration, BBB, Better Business Build. Bureau. No, 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 no. Build back better all right what do you want to talk about we've talked about this a couple times we have you brought that to my attention and it was something i hadn't actually thought of until you pointed out that it was a un slogan and then i started paying attention joe biden uses it boris johnson uses it and macron uses it and there's all kinds of all you know well i guess boris johnson's not left-wing but lots of left-wing political leaders are using all are using this term "build back better," and then the more we read about it and look into it, it's uh, it's, it's surrendering your autonomy to the United Nations and essentially becoming a vassal state of the UN. Yes. And speaking of things that don't sit well with me, anything that involves the UN, anything that involves with that's involved with the UN. Uh, is doesn't sit well with me either it's i mean the un let's be real the un is the most corrupt organization on the planet oh yeah i mean when you've got uh countries like uh iran like you've, you've got countries that follow sharia law as the chair of the human rights committee Yep, and Saudi Arabia is on the Women's Rights uh, Committee. Yeah. Which makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. No, the, it's, it's, the UN is an absolute garbage organization. And the fact that so many people uh, hold the UN in such high reverence just infuriates me. Because they're they're not something to revere. They're just it, it, the UN is 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 corruption uh, personified. It's just it's awful. It's a terrible organization. The Build Back Better is all about uh, getting not so much a one world government, but having. Kind of like the EU, but worldwide. That's probably a fair way to say it. Now, I'd seen a clip on social media, and I don't know if it was just a conspiracy theory thing or if it was an actual UN thing. But uh, what, what this article was essentially trying to say was that the whole Build Back Better thing sort of predicates on a company or company, sorry, a country effectively going bankrupt and then becoming subservient to the UN. Now, is that actually a thing with this build back better or was that just a conspiracy? I think that's more a conspiracy that may have some truth to it. Okay. It's the, the thing with 
build back better is that it it's all it it, it, it talks about reinventing uh, capitalism. Oh god! If I hear that expression one more time, I'm going to throw up. I swear. Yeah. Well, there's no such thing as reinventing capitalism. Capitalism is is very simplistically defined as you know free market. Yeah. There is there is no redefining that. There is no you know changing that. I mean, what we have right now in Canada, in the U.S., in the Western world, is not capitalism. there's way too much government interference there's way too much government control there's way too much uh uh corporate welfare for it to be true capitalism and it it's so the thing is is like if you think that the that this build back better has anything to do with less government involved in your life then you're nuts. I mean, they're, they're talking about restructuring everything. And if that, I mean, do do you think that means less government or more government? It's going to be more government. Oh, totally. It's, if you think it's going to be less taxes or more taxes, it's going to be more taxes. I mean, there's, there's no way that this does like, this is a good thing. There's no way. I mean, all you have to do is go online, read the document yourself, and it should scare you. Yeah, well, I haven't done that, but what I have uh, read about some highlights that others have, have posted up, and it's it's scary to think that, well, I mean, obviously we're going to pay more taxes because the whole idea of this reinventing capitalism is in a socialist model where you defer to the UN for most of your major decision-making, so obviously you're going to be paying a certain fee to the UN all the time, which, you know, is obviously more taxes. And I think we pay plenty of taxes as it is. Thank you very much. Yeah. And it's not like Canadians really have it in their budgets to uh, pay more taxes anyway. I mean, was it 50 over 50, just over 50% of British Columbians aren't paying their bills. Right that now. doesn't surprise me at all. And I mean, that, and that figure probably is is similar across Canada. I mean, we've yep. seen even the figures that came out from August had showed that Saskatchewan was number one in mortgage defaults. We're up to, uh, I want to say it was almost 9% uh, for mortgage defaults. And oh. now that's October, uh, all these mortgage deferrals are due. All the utilities bills deferrals are due. Taxes. So, Taxes, that right? Yeah. So, I mean, we're going to start seeing bankruptcies soar in, in no time. Well, and now we're heading into the seasons where restaurants normally lose their outdoor seating, which is the only thing that's been keeping them alive up until now. Um, they, they are uh, 25% of all of BC businesses are going to be closed, will be closed permanently by spring. Wow. Let that sink in. No kidding. 25%. 25%. And I'm sure that number is pretty steady across Canada, but that's a BC number. 
Yeah, well, and, and again, you're right. It's probably safe to assume that the Canada-wide figures will be very, very similar. So, yeah, yeah, and no, see that we're we're be... in we're in for some big, big uh, changes, and and they're they're going to be scary. And unfortunately, this kind of destruction, economic destruction, will make socialist policies easier to pass than ever before hence the build back better thing (laughs) exactly yeah now here's one for you that i heard from uh from a financial advisor that it that advises governments around the world i i don't know if i've mentioned it on here before or not but he said that uh, he's been talking to government officials in London, in England, and they are seriously talking about using lockdowns as a way to fight climate change. Wait, what? To fight climate change? Yeah. That doesn't even make any sense. Well, a lot less people drive during if they're all stuck at home. Right. I mean, they're, they're all looking at how the air is cleaner and all this kind of stuff since they started the lockdowns. So they're actually contemplating using the lockdowns as measures to fight climate change. This should scare the hell out of everyone listening right now. No kidding. Oh my gosh. That's you're about to lose all of your civil liberties. Yeah, that, that's absolute insanity. Yeah. Good Lord. And on that note, Canada, we've come up to our time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, we always end on the worst note possible. <laughs> we do. Um, but on, a, the, on one positive, I see that our, our numbers keep going up. It seems that our full shows with you and I together are the more popular than just our rants. Our rants, when it's just one of us, they, the numbers are still fantastic, but it seems that the numbers are a lot better when it's uh, shows of the two of us. So thank you to all of our listeners in Canada and, and elsewhere for, uh, for supporting us. And the two of us will keep coming at you every week. And when there's times we just can't wait, like when I'm mad at Jagmeet Singh again, um, we'll throw a little rant out for you, but Until next week, uh, thank you for joining us. And it's Tony out here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis in British Columbia. Thank you, Canada. Good night. Good night, Canada.